listening to KYRS Medical Expo Can at 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour, and I'm one of your hosts, Mike Molson. I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. Eric, today our guest is a, a remarkable woman that I got the opportunity to meet a couple years ago, actually, just after I retired. Uh, we were working on a project that we were hoping to actualize, but didn't work out. But Anyway, I got to meet uh, this, uh, our guest, and she is a phenomenal musician, a songwriter, has now become an educator. I heard rumor, and we'll maybe talk about this, but I heard that maybe a future author, I'm not sure on that, and, um, and, and is also the uh, spark behind a new program called swag that she's going to talk about uh strong women achieving greatness so let's welcome jamie stacy hi jamie hello hello to be here oh my goodness well we're glad you're here so jamie let's just maybe start out just give us a little uh background on you know where you're from because i know you're not originally from spokane and and just kind of how you ended up to this point and then we'll we'll go from there well, um, <laughs> Spokane is not my home, but you can probably tell by this southern accent. <laughs> but even though um, I've been in Spokane for 20 years, 2000, I came to Spokane. Um, I still haven't lost my uh, southern <laughs> charm. <laughs> but I absolutely love it here. I was actually in college whenever um, my mother moved to Spokane. And then after I graduated, I moved out here. Me and my brothers and sisters, we all came to Spokane and uh, began to build our lives here. My uh, career was already started in banking and finance, and I love, love, loved it. Uh, but music, of course, is my first passion. And um, that right there, man, a lot of people were kind of confused by my choice to go into banking. <laughs> 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 because they'd known me for so long as a musician. But anyway, uh, moving to Spokane, I immediately began working for Washington Mutual Bank, which is now Chase Bank. And I worked there for three and a half years until um, I decided that I was going to stay home and raise our son because I got married here in Spokane too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about uh, you being a musician. Um, are you a songwriter too? What instruments do you play? How did you get started in that? Oh my goodness. So when That's you a lot say of questions. About, I'm sorry. Like, well, 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 here's the deal. When you say, <laughs> tell me about being a musician, you're talking about my whole life. R literally my whole life. So at the age of five, um, I started playing piano, no lessons at all. Um, my mother was at work. She came home from work. I was sitting at this keyboard. Well, let me, let me just kind of be honest. Let me just tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so the truth is this, my mother had a keyboard in her room and all of us children were told, don't go in your mom's room when she's at work. <laughs> Oops. Well, I went in there. <laughs> <laughs> I went in there and I discovered this keyboard. And uh, 
I just sat there and played around with it. And, and I started thinking about some of the songs that I knew, you know, as, as a five-year-old and even some of the things that I'd heard on the radio. And I began to pick out the melodies of those songs. And it was not hard. It, I just, it, it seemed so easy for me to do. So I just continued doing that. And then um, from that, what I discovered was it was easy for me to do that with any instrument. Mm -hmm. So I went from the piano to the organ um, to playing the bass guitar to playing the drums um, to playing to playing just the guitar, electric guitar, guitar, um, violin, clarinet, and so. Those were just, those were the instruments that I could get my hands on. Wow. So I started doing that. And church was my kind of platform for doing that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but my family was very talented musicians and singers. And my mother did play the organ. And so, you know, she writes songs as well. And so church was kind of that place where I was able to do those things. But when I entered middle school, where you have music class, um, I, I was playing the piano in music class one day and the teach, it was, you know, the class where they teach you how to play the, the recorder. I was mm -hmm. in that class. <laughs> we all remember that. <laughs> I, I know you guys have played a recorder before. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> so, so I was in that class playing my little recorder. The teacher left the room and uh, there was a piano in there, of course. So I jump on the piano. I start playing around a little bit. He comes back in and he's like, wait a minute. When did this happen? And I'm like, oh, I've, learned, I've known how to do this all my life, you know, just playing the piano. And he could not believe it. So he uh, then contacted like the junior high a music teacher and the high school music teacher and was like, Hey, you guys, I think we got something like amazing here. Y'all need to check this out. Sadly, it was fourth grade. Fourth grade is when they have you like try out the instruments and see if you're going to be in band or orchestra. Well, the week that they did that, I came down with chicken pox. Do you even hear about chicken pox anymore? <laughs> I, I mean, literally, it, that's what happened. So I totally missed out on being able to be in band or orchestra because of that. However, I think it was, it was fate. Fate was hugging me because if I had taken that route, then I would have become a part of the traditional musicians. And I was not that. <laughs> and so it was um, fate just kind of saying, ah, let's, let's go this way. Let's, let's give you chicken pox and we're going to take a different route. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened with me. Oh, that man. was the whole music thing. And um, I've written several songs, um, sang in different music groups, in choir, in high school, um, my music teacher was interviewed in high school and he was like, I believe this is the first music virtuoso I've ever um, taught and had as a student. And I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens. 
Right. On. So, mm-hmm. what are you doing in music now? So, with music now, um, one of the things that I actually do for Spokane is I teach an intro to music and audio production class. And every summer for the past three years, I have taught that for the New Tech Skill Center. Oh, yeah. And so um, this past year, I was able to do it online. And it was <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> now, okay, now I'm curious about this because now I'm teaching online. I teach high school. Okay. Now, did you like it better than teaching in person or what did, or what did you like about it? Um, I did not like it better than teaching in person because I am an, uh, I believe in relationships. I believe that relationships make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And so not having that in person in the class, you know, so I had to just be what they would say extra. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be very extra at home, you know, um, because my connection time with those, with those kids was 8 a.m. Um. And so, right. So I had to have, I, I got up, made sure I was ready to go. And at 8 a.m., they were coming in um, to the to connect, and I'm in there already, and I'm like, hello, hello, son. <laughs> hello, hello, son. You know, I, I'm, I'm singing to them, or I'll have music playing or whatever, and I'm dancing, and they're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it made the classroom very, very fun. It yeah. made the class extremely fun. And so, um, yeah. So you're teaching. Are you also performing as well? Uh, Yes. Well, when I'm getting those opportunities. So, of course, COVID slowed a lot of those things down. And and then also last year, my son had a kidney transplant. Is he all right? He is. He's doing great. That's He's great. doing great, and that was just amazing because my husband was the donor. Awesome. Um, you know, a lot of people say they marry for their heart. I guess I married my husband for his kidney. <laughs> <laughs> he was able to be the perfect match for our son. Um, so that slowed down a bit. But before that, I was very involved in 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 the community, um, doing things as far as like music is concerned. If there would be artists that would come through town that were in need of like backup singers, um, I was able to help out in that way. Um, sometimes singing at the INB with different artists, sometimes singing at the Fox with different ar- artists. Um, I, you know, I, I guess a lot of people kind of want to know how in the world do you use like your knowledge and what you're able to do as a, a music virtuoso to help these people? Now, the best way I can describe it is when Lyle Lovett came to Spokane, he was in need of a group of people to sing, back up and help out, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so they contacted me to help out. Um, they sent the request on a Saturday. Can you help us? Yes. Sent back the email. Sunday, they sent me 10 songs. They said, learn these songs 
not only did I need to learn the songs, but I needed to learn the part. So the soprano, alto, and tenor part. And I had a group of seven people that I was teaching those parts to. Wow. So I got the songs on Sunday, listened to his songs, because I'm honestly, uh, let me just say, um, I was not like a diehard loud fan. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that he was once upon a time married to Julia Roberts. I did know that. <laughs> and I'd heard, I'd heard his songs maybe a couple times. <laughs> so I was introduced heavily in a day to Lyle Lovett. Boom. Sunday, Monday, listen to the songs, learn all the parts. Tuesday, I'm meeting with these groups of people. So I had a, a meet on Tuesday. I had a meet on Thursday and taught everybody their parts, learned these songs. Concert was Friday. So that's how <laughs> I use my gift to help people. Well, how did it go? Excellent. I actually, <laughs> believe it or not, Eric, I went to that concert. Oh, my gosh. I, I did. I had, and I didn't know, and, you know, when, when Jamie told me that story a while back, I go, holy cow. So, Jamie, are you, you're one of these uh, people that can hear something mm -hmm. and replicate it without really understanding the theory or you may not know, but you could mm -hmm. play stuff, just yes. it goes in your head or you imagine it and you can just produce it. Absolutely. And oftentimes, like, I will, when I'm hearing something, I already know what what notes are being played because I also have um, perfect pitch. So I can hear, like I know my refrigerator hums in the key of E. <laughs> I don't get to hear that very often because it has to be really quiet in this house for me to hear that. And so with my children around, I don't get to hear my refrigerator humming in the key of E very often, <laughs> but I know that it does. I have a question for, for anybody who things come really naturally to them, because if you're a teacher, sometimes mm. as a teacher, it's easier to teach it if I had a hard time learning it, because I'll say, this is how I learned it. And mm -hmm. if it just comes to you like that, um, does that ever present any difficulties where you're dealing with somebody who, who is so far away? I mean, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but far away from you on the talent scale, do you have a hard time finding a way to make it so that they understand what you're saying to them? Well, I think the advantage that I have is because this came to me at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And so all my life, I've been around people who learn music differently than I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to identify, oh, you learn like this, or you need it like this. It, I'm able to identify that really quickly and teach it that way. Um, I have students who actually, they need the visual, like they need to see it. They need to see that the notes are moving up and go, moving down. They need to see that. And then others, um, they need to see it, but the way they translate it is feeling. So um, if they're singing something and the notes are going up, I'm like, how does that make you feel? Are you going up with the music? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so being able to um, teach music that way, I feel like for me, because I was so young, I did have that advantage. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and 
using that same kind of uh, approach, uh, we talked a little bit about your songwriting process as you were helping some kids, I believe at Shaw Middle School, we were just going to try this program, but uh, what is the way you approach songwriting? Oh, so many different. Do you guys write as well? Yeah. Or are you just kind of like, <laughs> so so if you, if you write then you know that um it can be kind of different for everybody my mother is a songwriter but she's not a very good musician mm. so the the songwriting approach that i grew up with was my mom coming to me like i just wrote this song and it <laughs> sounds like this mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'd be like, okay. So I go to the piano and I'd start to play it out. So growing up, that was what I was introduced to first. Now for me, a lot of times the melody will come come first. And then the words. Because music is a feeling. It, it makes you feel a certain way. Um, I have a quote on my wall by Stevie Wonder. He's one of my favorites. And it's his song, uh, Sir Duke, where he says, music is a world within itself in a language we all understand. So that language uh, of music, how it comes to me in, in a melody is I will feel like whatever love feels like that's how the melody comes to me or whatever um, sorrow feels like. That's how the melody will come to me. That's the language that, it, and, and I will begin to play that out and then words will come. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Art Hour receives support from South Perry Pizza, featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza, beer, and wine at 1011 South Perry Street and online at southperrypizzaspokane.com. We got the blues done. Surely ain't got a thing to lose. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. I'm living for the weekend. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Woman's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. Art Hour receives support from Saga, the Spokane Arts Grant Award. Information online at spokanearts.org. So Mike at the top of the hour mentioned that you're doing uh, this thing called SWAG. It's an acronym. It, to what extent does the music, um, is, is SWAG a musical thing? I don't know anything about it. I came into this uh, completely <laughs> fresh. So it's kind of nice because I'm just like anybody who's listening. They don't know anything either. So what is SWAG and, and does this have anything to do with music or is it separate? 
It is separate. So SWAG is an acronym for Strong Women Achieving Greatness. I, of course, of course, of course, use music <laughs> in SWAG um, because we deal with relationships and identity and pursuing greatness. So SWAG is three things. So it's equipping, empowering, and mentoring. That's what it is. And so in the relationship part, when we're talking about that, and we're talking about relationships with self, relationships with others, oftentimes music is built around themes. And you know that love is one of the most written about, sung about, talked about things ever. Loving yourself, loving others, it's all about love. <laughs> and so what I will do, uh, one of the things that I will do is I'll challenge them to find a song mm. that uh, fits how you feel about yourself or how you feel about others or how you wish you felt about mm. yourself. Yes. So, so when you say challenge them to find a song, uh, are, you're, you're in the schools, right? Right now? Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, can you take me to where this started who you're working with, how you got into the schools, who you're working with now. Just kind of give us a chronology of how this started and where we are now. So SWAG um, was birthed out of my passion to mentor young ladies. I was already paired with a mentoring group, uh, Mentoring Today's Youth, and we were Spokane Gang Intervention and Prevention. And one of the things that happened was I got called in to uh, be an intervention specialist because there were some young ladies who were at odds and had been since middle school. <laughs> <laughs> and we were February into the school year. <laughs> and they were in high school. <laughs> and the administrators and counselors had just exhausted themselves and their resources. And so I came in and a colleague of mine, Sean Davis, he came with me. Um, and one of the things that I like to do is I always use candy. Candy is like my, that's like my thing. And when the kids <laughs> feed me, they're always like, oh, there's Miss Stacy. They know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I come in there to meet with these young ladies and I basically told them, I don't care what you've been doing. I've already gotten that email. I know what you've been doing here. I don't give a flying flip about that. And I told them that. <laughs> I said, what I really want to know is why. Why? And so we begin to have discussions around why. So those discussions, um, you know, led to some real root causes of why things were the way they were. And as there, we're discussing having this time together, I reach into my bag, I pull out some candy, and I begin to pass it out to these young ladies. And they're like, yeah, you know, and they continue to talk, and they're, they're pretty open with it. And then um, I had some now and laters, now and later candy. <laughs> I look at them and I say, see, what you're doing now is going to affect your later. And they were like, like they stopped chewing. <laughs> They're like, do I, do I want the candy? <laughs> yeah, but I use candy that way. Um, 
the next day I brought in some Tootsie Rolls. And I don't know if you guys remember the commercial from way back in the day where it's whatever it is I think I see becomes a Tootsie Roll to me. Well, <laughs> so I used that. I showed them the little commercial where the boy's in the park and he sees the plane and it's a Tootsie Roll. He sees a train. It's a Tootsie Roll. All of these things. And I, I talk about fear. So you're afraid that someone is going to see the real you. So you pretend to be something else. <laughs> so we talk about fear using the Tootsie Rolls. And of course, I always follow it up with the Starburst because you're a shining star. <laughs> and it's who you are. Yes. So I always follow it up with that. Um, and I walk around with Starburst. But my thing... Um, with the candy, a lot of times, you know, we've gotten into this culture of just dapping each other. You know, we fist bump. We just want to fist bump, whatever. Um, but if I walk up to a student and I have candy, it, it requires them to open their hand to receive because they want what I have. <laughs> they want that candy. So if I can get them to open their hand to receive a piece of candy from me, Eventually, they're going to be opening their hands and opening their hearts and opening their minds to whatever I got. So that's just, that's my thing. That's, that's what I like to use with them. And of course, music. And how did that turn into swag then? So then from that, I kept getting called back. Because in two days of mediation, the whole thing was squashed. There was no more. There was no more calling them in. There was no more, well, she did that, da, da, da. I kept getting called back, kept getting called back. Well, I went home and I began to think, if there's five, six girls in this high school that need intervention, there has to be 10 times that that actually need it. Mm -hmm. They're just making the most noise. And we all know that this squeaky wheel is the oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from that, I went home. I began to sit down and think about what do I want to do and to be in my community that's a help. And that's where I, when I created SWAG, Strong Women Achieving Greatness. So SWAG is not an indictment of men. <laughs> mm -hmm. Neither do we dismiss their presence from our success. Strong is also not to dismiss grace. We're still graceful. We're women. We, we embrace feminine energy. But we know that it requires a certain amount of strength to be able to navigate this world. So we're strong women achieving. And the achieving is always, 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 it's a process never ending achieving greatness so and and that's that's where it started and that's what it is so what and, does it look like now you're in uh, multiple schools what, what does that look like are you in there all day are you still just getting called in to kind of uh, put out the fires or what is it looking like now so of course, right now, everything looks different. Uh, speaking of fires. <laughs> oh, I know it. My goodness, yeah. So with swag in the school right now, it is different schools, different principals. 
um, actually calling upon um, this program to come and you know assist and to be a support in the school. Um, different principals can like contact the Office of Family and Community Engagement and ask for swag in their schools. Um, and then we have the zone project and there's a grant that is that is helping to fund swag being at Rogers High School, Gary Middle School, Shaw Middle School. And those group meetings that we would have every day, we would I would touch base with the girls. Not every day. I would be at different schools every day. Um, consistently throughout the week, I would be at different schools. And so just going there and being able to touch base with the young ladies and say, um, hey, we would talk about like what's trending, which was really, really fun because we got to talk about even a, a, a woman becoming, possibly becoming our mayor. And then that happened. Um, and so that was that was really a fun time for us to talk about some some uh, women in positions of power. And I also bring in guests, so women in the community who are doing things. Uh, we bring them in to speak to the young ladies. Uh, swag does not have an ethnicity attached to it. It is not strong black women or strong women. It's strong women achieving greatness. So I've had white women come in and speak about their businesses and, and the pathway that they took and uh, black women and all kinds of women um, come in and speak to these young ladies about being successful and the routes that they are able to take to achieve success. Do you have any students, uh, Jamie, that you have mentored and, and really kind of turned things around or you really inspired them to the point that they would like to give back by helping you mentor a new group of young women coming up? Yes. As a matter of fact, um, there was two, in, two situations, two instances that come to mind immediately. There was one young lady that when I first came to the school, um, she was just in and out of the counselor's office and in a lot of trouble. And um, her teacher was like, I don't know what you guys did with those other girls. They're not fighting anymore. But this one, she needs whatever that ha whatever happened. She needs to be a part of that. So... I went and I had a one-on-one -on -one with her and come to find out she was not originally from Spokane and she was uh, not feeling really connected. And so one of the things that I know happens that when, whenever there's representation, when you're seeing people that look like you in spaces. Um, so this young lady was like, Hey, look at this, this is another black woman in this school that's, you know, successful and, and doing things, what in the world? So, so we connected that, just that phenotypical connection that happened um, that way. Well, she had told me she had no plans to graduate. <laughs> she was just there. So she became a part of SWAG, started coming to group. I started checking with her, like, how you doing? What's, what are you doing? Why did you go to the office that day? Just stuff like that all the time. Having someone hold you accountable makes a world of difference. Yes, there's grace, but it's grace. It's not grace without accountability. So that accountability helped her to graduate. She graduated last year. 
first in her family in three generations. Wow. From being a part of swag, because she had no plans to do that. She is in college right now. First in her family. The other young lady um, that comes to mind was also, she was either valedictorian or salutatorian at Rogers. Um, she also attended the African-American graduation that happened at uh, Gonzaga University. I was there, brought a group of girls, group of students, um, attended that. It was an amazing time. This young lady also received um, a scholarship while she was there. Like the top scholarship that they were giving for the graduation, she received it. And after the graduation, of course, she and I, she, we knew each other um, prior to that, but connecting with her. She's like, I want to come back to Rogers. Whenever I'm in college, she, she went to Washington State. Um, so she has plans to come back and talk to the young ladies at SWAG. Of course, COVID-19 has kind of put a, a kibosh to her physically being present, but we have Zoom and we have Teams and we have all these other ways that we are going to meet. I've already, I've already done that. I've already ran a swag virtual camp. So <laughs> I'm just going to continue doing that. You know, Jamie, I was reading um, some of the articles that you had uh, interviewed for uh, in the spokesman in, in the past. And, and you talk about connection with swag. And one of the things you talked about, even though it's not necessarily race affiliated, but um, with a lot of the, we have a lot of, uh, gals that are biracial and finding a way to connect is is a could be a challenge and how, how do you approach that when you're uh, mentoring those gals true story right before COVID hit I'm in the counselor's office at middle school she calls this young lady mixed race down to the office and she says uh, this young lady wants to be a part of swag. She's been hearing about it from her friends and you know, they, they talk amongst themselves, you know, middle school girls. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in the office. I'm sitting in there. She begins to talk to me and she tells me, um, my mom is black. My father's white. And she, um, begins to talk to me a little bit about her home life. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And I look at her and I said, so in about five years, you're going to walk across that stage with a diploma in your hand. And everyone is going to stand and cheer for you because you have succeeded. And I looked at her and I said, and when you get that diploma, what part of you succeeded? And she looked at me and with this same matched enthusiasm, she said, the white side. And I said, so the black side of you was just sitting there chilling while the white side did all the work? <laughs> and she said, no, the black side. And I said, mm, how about all of who you are? How about that? That's, that's one of the things, like one of the things that we do in swag is we make declarations. So with Spokane, of course, there are a lot of mixed race children here, not just black and white but all kinds of mixing of races. So we make declarations to say, 
I'm Native American and I'm white. And I'm a strong woman achieving greatness. I am black, I'm white, and I'm a strong woman achieving greatness. Whatever it is. Because I want them to own. That's, that's who you are. You're not just one thing or the other. Even though our society and world can make the girls feel like, I need to choose. I need to choose. Um, but to let them know, be proud of who you are. You know, if your grandma can make bomb fry bread and then your dad can like <laughs> barbecue like crazy, <laughs> throw some ribs on the grill. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so th those are all um, things and, I'm glad that you read that article, Mike. <laughs> Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month helps keep KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. That's all one word Give KYRS to 44321. You're invited to cruise Americana Avenue with me, Jim Tate, in your car or at the office, each Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. You'll hear the best in progressive American roots music in a multitude of styles. It's Americana Avenue on your radio station, KYRS. Jamie, what, uh, I mean, you have a lot of passion for what you're doing. And just by even across a Zoom screen, I can, I can feel your passion and energy, uh, energy and, and all of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing. I don't know if you're feeling that, Eric, but I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you. What, where do you draw your inspiration so that you have room to, uh, to keep yourself fueled to do this work. Because this work, especially in this day and age, especially after this summer with what happened, can be so exhausting. Mm -hmm. So um, I, get, I actually, once again, I had a little bit of a leg up when COVID hit <laughs> because my son had, um, had a kidney transplant. And so we were living in Seattle for four months and it was just he and I at the Ronald McDonald house quarantined because he was on all these immunosuppression. And so I had to be there with him. Mid-December, we got to come home. We were home for Christmas. <laughs> and we were so, so, so excited to be home. And then mid-January I was able to go talk to the counselor at his high school and we were like yes we're gonna get this reestablished set up and he's coming back to school and da, 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 da. yes we were so excited and then he went to school for a month <laughs> and COVID hit <laughs> and we were probably among that first round of people that got calls yeah because of the our situation was unique and so we were immediately quarantined and the thing about it is because we had experienced that before we knew what to do we knew that routine was key 
having a routine and self-care. And with self-care, I have learned to manage it um, by a, a lot of times in life, we're juggling all these balls. You know, we got all these balls, boom, 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 we're throwing them around. Um, but we have glass balls and we have rubber balls. <laughs> there are some things that we can let drop and they will bounce on over into the corner and be just fine. <laughs> but then there's other things that if we let it drop, it's shatter. That's <laughs> a it, great metaphor. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. How am I going to put this back together? So I began to identify. This is what I would encourage people to do is identify what your glass balls are and identify what your rubber balls are because there's some things that we're juggling that we don't really need to juggle. We, we can probably let that go. And even if we, if, if it's temporary, you can always go back in the corner and go pick that rubber ball back up, you know, but if you drop that glass ball, Oh my God. <laughs> so I've identified that one of those glass balls is me. I am a glass wall <laughs> and I have to treat myself very carefully the energy that I allow in and what I'm, what I'm listening to, what I am exposing myself to, whether it's through social media or if it's through physical uh, company of people, um, what am I being asked to do? Cause I get pulled on all in many different directions. Um, but I have to be able to say, ah, is this a glass ball or is this a rubber ball? You know, so being able to first identify what those things are, and once you once you do that, everything that comes to you, you're gonna be you're gonna be like a little fabric worker. You're like glass, glass, glass rubber, rubber, rubber. Yeah. I'm more like uh, more like Lucy on the conveyor belt. You know, where the going the conveyor belt's going way too fast. <laughs> That's a great metaphor. Uh, so your son, is, is, uh, did he inherit your musical talent or your musical desire? Is, this a, is music a family affair for you? Yes. My son, he can play, um, he can play drums. He plays guitar as well. He can, he can pick out things on the piano. Um, I also have a daughter. She's nine. And whenever um, COVID hit, and everybody was at home. One of the things, of course, I said was routine was key. So I established a routine for them. And we built music and art into their schedules. And so just, she said, I want to learn how to play the piano. So I started showing her a few things. I showed her um, not very many things. And then the next thing I know, she was sitting at the piano playing old songs by herself. I was like, Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. It's just, it's in our family. We, that's what we do. We play music. We sing. Yes. And we love it. We love it. That's great. Jamie, um, so you actually acknowledge that being an author is in the works. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I'm so excited about, about that. Um, I, I would say this. To anybody who's like walking through anything, everyone um, has a story to tell. 
And the things that we experience in our life are opportunities for us to share our story. A lot of times we don't because we don't think it will benefit anyone or will anybody want to listen to this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is always an audience. That's what I've learned for sure. Um, but the book that you are um, talking about, it's called Next to Normal. Next to Normal. And my hope is that it will become a survival guide for people who are having to walk through uh, and experience some of the things that our family had to experience. Because the truth of it is this, Seattle Children's Hospital is amazing. They have amazing staff, uh, Sacred Heart as well. I was working at Shaw Middle School whenever I got the call. I'd taken my son in um, to have some blood work done. He had his blood drawn, I went to work. Two hours later, I was leaving the building to come home, and I got a call from Sacred Heart Hospital. Is this the, is this the parent of Micah Stacy? And I'm like, yes. And I'm like, they're like, this is Sacred Heart Hospital. We have a bed for him. He's being admitted. We didn't even know the kid was sick. Mm-hmm. So we go to Sacred Heart Hospital. Like, I drive home. I don't even remember driving home. Apparently, I did. <laughs> get him, get bags packed, go to Sacred Heart. And then they tell us he is in end-stage renal failure, Mm. stage five. And I'm looking at the doctor, and I'm like, well, how many stages are there? And he's like, "Uh, there's five. (laughs) This is it. And I'm like, what happened to stage one, two, three, and four? You know Mm what? And he's like, well, apparently he, he, he just adapted. But then, you know, puberty hit, and his body was like, Oh my God, we can't do this. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, it began to just completely shut down. And I had, I had this feeling like something, something's not right. I carried that for a while. And uh, I talk a little bit about that in my book, but a lot of times people would look at us, look at us, our family. And, you know, it's me and my husband and our two kids living the American dream you know, you know, just an average family. We, we're very normal, and you know, um, but everything shifted. Everything, everything shifted. And so one of the things that I say in the introduction of the book is we no longer land square in the center. But now we sit just a little bit to the left, <laughs> next to normal. So that, that's what the book is about. It's about different people who helped along the way um, on our journey because there was always, you know, people that were there to be a helping hand. Um, like I said, Seattle Children's, excellent, excellent. I think what happened, though, what brought me to writing a book about it is because everyone did a very, very good job of preparing us for the worst, they talked to me about the possibility of coming back home without my husband or my son, because that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a good job of preparing us for that, for, for dying. But, that, but no one prepared us for how to live 
So we got home and it was like, oh, we're home. Okay, what do we do? How do we manage all these medications and these appointments? And da, 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 da. Are you going to go to school? I don't know. Uh, all of this. So that's what my book hopefully is a survival guide because you're going to make it through this. You're going to live. You're going to live. And I think that we, that that's my hope is that it helps people to live. And are you finished with the book now, Jamie, or is it a work in progress? I have one more chapter to write because of COVID. Mm. Hindsight is literally 2020. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jamie, you know, you have a, an inspiring uh, message as well as just an inspiring personality. Have you ever thought about the ministry uh, as a <laughs> something to do? <laughs> that you would say that <laughs> because at my church jesus is the answer city church i am an ordained minister there oh i'm over the music department imagine that of course <laughs> um but my family's there we also play instruments and sing together uh in the, mu in the music ministry there. But I will teach Bible studies or sometimes I'm asked to speak on Sunday. And then since COVID has happened, um, of course I was, you know, speaking, had different speaking engagements, uh, different places. I've been able to do some through Zoom and other recordings mm -hmm. and different platforms that have been used to, um, you know, for different churches and whatever. But yes, ministry has been a big part of that as well big help yeah. as i'm listening to you i'm thinking that there might be people who will hear this who kind of have two questions one they might need your help uh, and secondly they might want to offer help because it sounds like what you're doing with swag is kind of you and then you find people who are going to come in what would you say to people who say who might be saying I would like you to come to my school or come to my organization, or what would you say to people who would say, I want to help you in any way I can? So for people that are reaching out to me and saying, Hey, can you come to us? We want your help. Um, I offer that. Um, one of the things that I offer is I can either do it like um, through zoom or online or whatever. Um, I do that. I have some things recorded as well. And I also do, um, it depends on what they want. Like <laughs> some, some, people, <laughs> some people are just like, they might want to just send me an email so they can contact me. I guess that would be the easiest thing to do. Um, would be to contact me at strongwomenachievinggreatness at gmail.com. They could send me an email there. Um, I've, I've talked to several different people, even through email. I've even helped some um, organizations um, that have had questions about how their hiring practices, how can we get more women involved, things like that. Um, so there's, there's a consultant contract that I have. So if you need me to do some consulting work I can do that as well um, like I said 
because there's so many things that I can do and that I offer. You know, you need me to play at your wedding. I got you know, <laughs> uh, weddings, funerals, baby showers, whatever. I got music for that. Um, <laughs> um, but as far as swag is concerned, um, I also have a, like another Zoom speaking engagement. It's already scheduled for December. Um, it's an international women's group that has called upon me to speak. Um, I'll be doing that. Um, so using as many online platforms as we can at this time, but I do travel whenever I was able to travel, I would, I would go to different places and, and speak. Um, the other part of the question is people that are like, ah, I like this program. I want to get involved. So many people uh, rose to the occasion after they read the article in the spokesman review that was ran. And I began to express that there are some very practical, basic needs. When you're dealing with the demo specific demographic of people, um, there are some very practical needs. So when I begin to talk about like, um, okay, so school's gonna be closed down or whatever, I need some feminine hygiene products that I'd like to put together for some, and. You know, I had some people in the room like turn around and look and be like, why do you need that? And I'm like, because I work with girls. <laughs> so they were able to donate. Um, Swag has a Facebook page. So they were able to contact me through Facebook. All of it was coordinated through there. Um, so Swag and we are, that's what we are on Facebook. It's a women's mentoring group. They can find us there. Um, we are on Instagram as well. Strong Women Achieving Greatness. You can find me there. Um, so what does it look like if you want to help? Well, it, it could look like you being called into a Zoom meeting where there's a group of girls who are like, hey, um, we've been dealing with self-esteem issues. Maybe you practice mindfulness, you know, um, then you could come onto the Zoom meeting and be like, hey, this is how you meditate. This is how you do this. And so there are so many ways and avenues through which women and men, like I said, swag is not an indictment of men. We want your help. <laughs> and we want your support. We want you there with us. Um, so yes, all of that, um, being able to come alongside and help. Um, any big music, uh, aspirations? I know you, I mean, as things come right now, there's no venues or anything like that. So concerts or anything, but do you have any like personal goals or, or dreams of, of performing again? I, I had an opportunity to listen to you with, uh, James and Roberta Wilburn a few years back mm -hmm. to putting together an actual, your own like group to perform mm -hmm. with. Um, as far as I like, putting together a group to perform with, I, I don't have aspirations for that. Uh, but as far as music is concerned, what I'm doing right now is, <laughs> is I've written three, three children's book. And they're, it's called books that sing oh. because my daughter, when she was first born, um, had seizures and so I learned that if I held her like close to me and would hum 
Like I couldn't be oh, whatever, but I would hum like melodies or whatever to her. She would calm down. Um, and then like I noticed that if I was singing, um, if particular songs were being played at specific times, she would be more active or not. So I just began to make a mental note of that as a parent. And so I wrote a song, a bedtime song for her first. And I would sing that and I would come in and sing that to her every night. And as soon as I would come in there and say, I love you to the moon and all the way back. As soon as I started that, she'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And Book so that, wow. that hello son that I would sing to my class when they, that's her, that's her wake up song. Hmm. Yeah. So you're going to publish books. It's those three books that sing and you're going to record the music somehow into the, yes. pro the product. Yeah. Yes. So I want to, I want to be able to, you know, and I'm working with a professor out of the university of Wyoming to do that. That's awesome. Well, wow, that is wonderful. Well, it, you know, it was an honor <laughs> and a pleasure to meet you and you wherever you get your energy, I want some of it because uh, just your energy in person and the, all the things that you're doing, I just, it's very admirable. And, and uh, I just, I was energized just talking to you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. That was a great interview.